0: Thank you, praise team. Well, this morning, as you may have picked up already, is Pentecost. And uh, this is another one of those incredibly significant, important, meaningful moments in the Christian calendar. It is absolutely essential along with the things like Jesus' birth, His, His life among us, His death, His resurrection, His ascension into heaven. Uh, but not only that, of course, the creation of the world and our fall into sin and, and God's promised to redeem us and the work that God did with Noah rescuing him and his family and the work that God did with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the work that God did with Joseph and the work that God did with Moses bringing the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt and the work that God did with Joshua bringing them into the promised land as well. And not only that, but it is part of the spectrum that goes beyond today to that day when Christ shall return and judge the living and the dead and all things will be recreated and made new. And so this is part of the scope of what we are in. And Pentecost is a very important part of it. And so we are going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. You can turn with me in your pew Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 21. Or you can follow along on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together, that is, the disciples, the apostles, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some however made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Amen. Wow! What an amazing day that must have been. I cannot imagine what it must have been like to stand there and hear the gospel being proclaimed in my own language and at the same time simultaneously have the gospel being proclaimed in Dutch or in French or in uh, Arabic or Greek or or Latin or whatever languages were there, <laughs> wow. And not to mention that, but before that, the tongues of flames and the, the wind coming and, and and to hear, to hear somebody say, these men must be drunk. And I think there are a lot of temptations that I, I, I am prone to, I think, just like all of us. But I think I would probably look at that person and instead of thinking, yeah, you're probably right, they're drunk, I probably would look at them and say, what are you, a moron? how do drunk people speak in different languages all at the same time i don't get that that being said who knows i wasn't there but then but then to hear to hear peter get up and talk about these things and then and then to hear this quote from joel oh my goodness this is not nothing right Pour out your Spirit on all people. Sons and daughters prophesying. Men seeing vision. Old men dreaming dreams. Right, The Spirit will be on all of them. And they'll all prophesy. And there's going to be wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. (laughs) The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And then best of all, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It seems to me that in this moment, the apostles, the disciples, have been given a gift that that along with that gift at that moment, they they have a, a miraculous understanding or a miraculous empowerment in, in how to make use of that gift, how to express that gift, how to share the good news using that gift, and it is a wonderful and glorious thing. Uh, but it doesn 't mean that the apostles are perfect from then on that they, they they have figured out what to do with the Holy Spirit, and that means that they never do anything wrong again you, you see here 's what i 'm thinking i 'm thinking that if you were to pretend that that you and I and the apostles were all cars all like like the movie cars, but you know just you and I, our cars, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, we've been given like turbo boost, injection, fancy, whatever the hex, right? And, and somebody teaches us how to use it right away. Like we, we just have divine inspiration. We know how to use that and we go, right? Like we are like Lightning McQueen in the Cars movie. We can move. We know how to do this. Right? But that doesn't mean that we're perfect. It still means, you know, we've been we've had this 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 Holy Spirit put into us and, and it it ought to move us into overdrive. And it does move the disciples, the apostles into overdrive. But it doesn't mean that they know what they're doing all the time, right? Remember that Peter later on, even this same Peter who speaks here, and the same Peter who has the vision of the unclean animals coming down from heaven and God saying, hey, what God has declared to be clean, let no one say it is unclean. And this same Peter who says, hey, These Samaritans, they, they know Jesus. They love Jesus. Who are we to get in the way of that? This same Peter, later on, Paul has to come from the far-flung reaches of the empire to Jerusalem and yell at Peter because Peter has started to listen to the Judaizers, the people in his congregation who are saying, oh, Peter, you shouldn't be eating with the unclean Gentiles, even though those Gentiles are part of the congregation and they're part of the family of God. And God has declared them to be clean." And so Peter has to be rebuked by Paul later on because, yeah, he's got the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't fully use it all the time properly. He doesn't work with the Holy Spirit perfectly as he ought to. Let me tell you a car story about myself. This is probably... Uh, a story that is one of the most embarrassing stories of my life. So, just so you know. All right, so when I was a teenager, you know, when you, when you, get, to be, uh, when you get to be 16, like, you want to have, at least in my day, you want to have your license right away, like immediately, right? And so I did, I did the, you know, the driving school and all that jazz or whatever, and I, I, I failed my first driver's test. Why? Because they took me to drive in a neighborhood where I used to bike all the time. And in that neighborhood, there were quiet streets that almost nobody was ever on. And those streets had stop signs. And I never on my bike stopped for those stop signs. (laughs) Because why would I? You just look, look, way you go, right? And I did that. (laughs) in my driving test. And my my driver's ed instructor, or my driver's test guy, he said, well, you just failed that test. I said, what? Why? He's like, you went through a stop sign. Oh. Okay, so then I had to take the test again. This is not the end of the embarrassment. (laughs) It's only beginning. I had to take the test again, and I, I passed the second time, which was good, right? And In celebration, I asked my parents if I could take the car and take my girlfriend out for a date. And they said, sure, yeah, absolutely. So I drove to my girlfriend's house and I pulled into their driveway and I went to pick her up and she got in the car. I think we were going to go see a movie or something. I don't know what we were going to do. And I backed out of the driveway and I backed into her father's car that was parked across the road and put a big ding in it. I'm getting sweaty and embarrassed even now. Clearly, in spite of my education in driver's ed, I did not know how to work with the vehicle well. Right? I needed to learn more. And, and, and I think that's true for all of us. Maybe not so embarrassingly and terribly as for me, perhaps. But everybody needs to learn how to use their vehicle. And we hopefully learn how to do so more as we go along. What about computers? First computer I got was in 1993, um, just before I went away to university. And I, it, it had a manual for just the DOS operating system, the disk operating system 5.0. The manual was about as big as this Bible. And I needed to learn it. Right? I need to learn how to use it. And, and there are still folks today among us, no doubt, who, who have computers, but who don't really know how to use them. I know that. I get, <laughs> we get, everybody needs a, a tech person in their lives because there are so many of us who aren't tech people. You need to learn how to work with the computer to get the most out of it. One of, one of my... <laughs> Gwyneth's not here. I'm going to pick on her even though she's not here. That's terrible. You can tell her later and and confess my sins to her. But she has this tendency to not want to learn how to do something until it's an absolute emergency on the computer. I don't want to know how to do that. But then when it's an absolute emergency on the computer and she's like, I need to know how to do this now, then she... She doesn't want me to do it for her, and she also doesn't really want to learn how to do it. She just somehow magically wants me to be able to, like, I don't know, (laughs) give her the knowledge, (laughs) right? All of us have struggles with computers or with our cars. We don't know how to make the most of them. But that's not all, of course. Closer to the example of how to work with the Holy Spirit is the question of how to work with people. So, here's a question for you. How many of you are married? You just Put up your hands if you're married. Right? Yeah? Good. How many of you have friends? I hope all of you, (laughs) right? Um, Good. How many of you have, you know, people that you talk to occasionally? (laughs) Okay, good. All right. Those are all relationships. How many of you can say that you know perfectly how to live in proper relationship with any of those people? Julie, yeah? Awesome. Alex, can you confirm that? (laughs) Right? No, of course not. I mean, computers are complex. People are infinitely more complex than that. And living in relationship with people, especially, you know, our spouses with whom we are bound together, we are one, right? Learning how to live with our spouses in a way that, that provides the greatest fruitfulness in, in, in collaboration, in love, in understanding, in, in whatever endeavors we partake in, that takes a lifetime and more. I have not met the couple yet who goes, yeah, yeah, we've got each other totally figured out. There's no, no struggles at all. Right? Right? Well, we have a problem, brothers and sisters, because we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit... We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that. That is, that is a promise that Jesus made to His disciples that He was going to send to them the Comforter, the Paraclete. He was going to send to them the Holy Spirit and He would dwell within them. The Holy Spirit live within all the believers, right? And, and, and Joel says that God pours out His Spirit on all, on all who call on His name. And, and and you know it's like it's like we don't know how to drive and we've suddenly been given a ferrari and and yet we have this strange idea that we don't really have to work with the holy spirit or learn about the holy spirit or Talk with the Holy Spirit or walk with the Holy Spirit that somehow it's just this vague reality that somewhere in here-ish maybe lives the Holy Spirit and that's it. That's all there is to it. But that is nonsense. Even the Apostle Peter with his divine inspiration and all the apostles and the disciples who who had the Holy Spirit poured out upon them in such a dramatic way on the day of Pentecost, even they had to learn to walk with the Spirit all of the rest of their days. It is a relationship, and, and really, really, that's what salvation is all about, ultimately. It is about relationship, because why? Because when we were in the Garden of Eden with, with our representatives, Adam and Eve, and when we chose to eat of the knowledge of good, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in spite of God's command, we were essentially saying to God, no, I don't want to be in relationship with you. I want to be independent. I want to go my own way. I want to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I want to carve out my own destiny. I don't need your guidance. That's what we said to God. That's why we took it. That's what Satan tempted us with. He says, Don't worry, if you eat from this tree, you will not surely die, but rather you will become like God knowing good and evil. And so to be lost is to have cut off our relationship with God. And to be saved is to have our relationship with God restored, renewed, recreated, reinvigorated, even more expanded, beyond our wildest dreams. Because Adam and Eve, though they were God's image bearers, they were never son and daughter of God, but we are. And Adam and Eve, though they were they were called to steward this creation, right? They, they were not invited to become part of the family of God. Best friends with Jesus, the dwelling place for the throne of God, the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. That's not what Adam and Eve had on their plates or in their presence. Maybe God would have done that some other way down the line if Adam and Eve had not chosen sin. I don't know. It doesn't really matter in a way. But here we are. And not only has God offered us restored relationship with Him, but God has offered us expanded, profoundly expanded relationship with Him. Where Jesus is our brother, God is remember cuz Jesus is fully divine and fully human god is our brother and our king and our lord and our savior and our friend who sticks closer than a brother and and the father the heavenly father is also our father our father and not only our father in some remote cold polite respectful distance sort of sense but the our father that Jesus says which is really daddy our daddy who is in heaven right and so here comes the spirit of God descending on the people of God during Pentecost and yes, it's dramatic, but listen. I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What does it mean to prophesy? What is prophecy? Honest question. What is prophecy? Sharing God's Word. Amen, David. Yeah, it is not. Prophecy is not like nostradamus predicting the future whatever that's not prophecy i mean sometimes that is a component in prophecy but really the heart of prophecy is giving god's truth sometimes a very hard truth to the people giving god's truth to the people so who is doing this your sons and daughters your young men your your old men I will pour out My Spirit on My servants, both men and women, and they will prophesy. And how can they give God's truth? Because they have called on the name of the Lord, and they have been saved. And so because they have been saved, they are now in right relationship with God because that's what that means. And because they are in right relationship with God, the Holy Spirit lives within them. And so they've got a Ferrari. But do you know how to drive it? Do you know how to use this computer that you've been given? Do you know better, even better? Do you know how to live in right relationship with your spouse, your kid, your grandkid, your neighbor, your... No. I still got to work at it. I still got to learn. So how do you learn to live in a productive and meaningful relationship with the holy spirit such that you have been who have been given the gift of the holy spirit can prophesy that is share god's truth with people well, you don't do that by taking a self-help course. You don't do that by reading some formulaic book that instructs you in the ways to make use of the Holy Spirit. You don't do that. You certainly don't do that by never talking to the Holy Spirit. You never, you, you're not going to be able to do that by ignoring the Holy Spirit, and you're certainly not going to be able to do that by carving your own destiny. How do you build relationship with the Holy Spirit? You build relationship with the Holy Spirit the same way you build relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You build relationship by reading the Scriptures, reading the Bible. If it is not part of your daily routine, and I'm not talking simply about like a verse or two, and the Our Daily Bread or the Today magazine, those are great. They can be part of it for sure. But better still is if you take some time to read the Bible. Right? Take some time to read the Bible and ruminate on it. This is one of my favorite words. Remember what ruminate means? Dairy farmers, what's ruminating? Come on! Chewing on the cud. So great. Right? I love this. Cows like spit up some of the grass that they've already eaten and then chew on it some more. <laughs> it's such a great picture. So disgusting. So disgusting. But that's what, that's what we're supposed to do with the scriptures. We're supposed to eat it, take it in, and then as we go throughout the day, bring it back up and chew on it some more. So we read the scriptures. Pray. Pray. Yes, absolutely set aside some time by yourself if you can, or with your spouse or with your family to pray. By all means, do that. Do that, you know, 10, 15, even five minutes a day. Spend time talking with God, praying. And praying, oh my goodness. If you don't know how to pray or if you think that praying is all about fancy words, then please read what Jesus says about prayer, that it's not supposed to be all fancy words. And pre- please watch the movie uh, Fiddler on the Roof and watch how Tevye prays, right? Okay, that's how you pray. You just talk with God and you're real with God and honest, Okay. He can handle you being normal with Him. Okay? Pray. But then pray, as Paul says, pray without ceasing. Don't just take that time to pray that you set aside. But like Tevye, pray as you're going throughout your day, walking along, delivering milk in cans or whatever. Right? Pray. Pray. Practice your breath prayers. Lord Jesus, breathe in. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Breathe out. Right? Remember, hopefully, you're breathing pretty regularly. Every breath, you pray. And if you if you forget, if it falls off your radar, no big deal. Whatever. You just pick it up again when you remember. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, have mercy on Athens. And so on. Read the Bible. Pray. Worship. Right? Worship. There are lots of different ways that we can worship. We we worship through song, obviously. This is an act of worship. But so too, our Reformed perspective says that everything we do, whatever it is that we do, ought to be an act of worship. But you kind of need to make that choice. Right? If you're washing the dishes and you're not very happy about it and you're grumbling and complaining, chances are really good that that's not a very great act of worship. But if you are washing the dishes and you're like, Lord, thank you so much for giving us so many things to be able to eat and giving us, you know, dishes to eat on and a house to eat in and clean water to wash our dishes with and soap and Thank you so much for this. And Lord, I know I'm complaining and I, I know that in my heart I'm a little bit angry and bitter. But, but Lord, please forgive me for that and please soften my heart. Ooh, look, your worship, you're washing dishes. You're worshiping God. Right? So, read your Bible. Pray. Worship. Right? Doing these things along with one more Will help you very much, well, two more, very much on the road to building relationship with the Holy Spirit, to learning how to work with the Ferrari, to learning how to better your relationship with your loved ones, and so on, right The two more are are this, and they're not less important listening, listening, listening to the Holy Spirit, okay and, and I'm not joking God wants relationship with you you need to listen. No relationship is good without listening, right? If you never listen to your spouse, you are in trouble, right? Listen. What does the Holy Spirit sound like? Well, the Holy Spirit sounds like often that still small voice, right? Just like just like Elijah is so desperate and sad and afraid and alone, he feels that way. And, you know, eventually he's in the wilderness in this cave mountain region or whatever, and, and God says he's going to pass by. And he's not in the thunder, and he's not in the lightning, and he's not in the strong wind, but he is in the little whispering wind. And you have had those. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. And the Holy Spirit often starts off by speaking to you with the little tiny prompts that just little poke to say, hey, you know, be nice to your neighbor, your brother, your sister today. Open the door for that person. Say hello to that person. Maybe give that person a call. Maybe send an email to somebody. Right? Those little prompts that are good, they're kind, they're generous, they're selfless. Those are Holy Spirit prompts. And this goes along with this last one, which is obey. Because you and I, we get those prompts far more often than we might admit and we ignore them if you're anything like me far more often than we should. So, obey them. C.S. Lewis says that often the reward for obedience is something greater and bigger and harder to obey in. (laughs) Right? So, if you obey God when God says to you, hey, you know, Give Braden a call. He looked a little glum in church today. Right? Not that, not that you look glum. You know what I mean. Right? Um, are you glum? No, never mind. We can talk about that later. Right? If, if God says that to you and you obey, right, and you consistently learn to obey those still small voice prompts, right, then God will speak to you more and God will give you greater opportunities and God will say to you, hey, More obedience. You're learning how to drive the Ferrari. Nice. Brothers and sisters, we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives within us. But we don't magically know all the best ways to walk with the Holy Spirit any more than the disciples did. I mean, sure, they had a dramatic start to it and were inspired very obviously and very clearly by the Holy Spirit right in the beginning, but we can see from the rest of their lives that they weren't perfect at it either. But that being said, God teaches us how to grow in our relationship with God because, of course, our relationship with God is what salvation is all about. And so we need to do these things. We need to pray. We need to read the Bible. We need to worship. We need to listen. And we need to obey. And in doing those things, brothers and sisters, then we too will grow in our relationship with the Comforter who lives within us. One more thing: loneliness is an epidemic in our society. Did you know that? We talked about that before. In uh, in the United Kingdom, in England. of the people that they surveyed, approximately 3 million people in England, said that they feel lonely often or always. 6% of the people, right? 20% 20 said they never feel lonely, which is strange to me. That's in England, But what about in the United States? In the United States, listen to this, 36% of all Americans, this was published February 2021. That was before we we started really opening up again. 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults, And 51% of mothers with young children feel serious loneliness. Serious loneliness. In Canada, more than 1 in 10 people aged 15 and older say that they always or often felt lonely when asked in the Canadian Social Survey for August and September 2021. People are lonely. But the Holy Spirit, among His other names, has the name Comforter. And and there are a lot of reasons why the Holy Spirit is a Comforter. But one of them is that He is the presence of God living within us. We're not alone. We're never alone. And I mean that in a good way. If we build relationship with God, then not only will we be able to prophesy, give God's truth to the people, but also we will more and more come to know the presence of God in our own lives. And more and more, we will not be alone because we know we're not alone. Just like David cried out for the presence of God, (laughs) instead of, you know, kicking out all the evil people from around us, we'll be able to be like Jesus and eat and drink with the wicked people around us. Because we know that our comfort is the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And we are not alone. And we can be with others and shine the light of the gospel with them. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess that there are certainly times when we feel like we walk this earth alone. It can feel like a very big place to be alone. Statistics show that the average adult in North America knows about 600-ish people, even remotely. And yet there are almost 8 billion in our world. And sometimes that can make us feel so small and so alone. And then, too, we persist in thinking that we (laughs) We are still walking in the world that Adam and Eve and each one of us chose for ourselves that is the world that has a broken relationship with you. And so we act as if we are alone in our own hearts and minds even when we know that we are not. And then too, O God, we do not prophesy or share God's truth with people nearly as much as we are prompted to and chances are really good that we don't even hear a lot of the prompts that you have given us because we don't know how to listen and so lord we pray please O god on this pentecost sunday and for the days and weeks and years remaining in our lives here on this earth, please, O oh God, help us. Help us to grow closer to you, O oh God. Help us to grow closer to the Holy Spirit. Help us to build that relationship. And oh Lord, please, please build that relationship with us too from your end as we know you do. Oh God, help us to read the scriptures. Help us to pray. Help us to worship. Help us to listen. And help us to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.